second half of this year. So save up, get your passports up to date. If you need to get any uh, vaccinations for whatever, to speak to your doctor, it's probably a good idea to make sure you have hepatitis B and that kind of thing topped up because uh, the water the water there you can't drink. And, um, yeah, so just get, get all those things in place now because... Uh, come two weeks before, it's going to be too late to sort that out. Alrighty. So let's just pray before I, before I share. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And I pray this morning that you would shine your light upon our path and show us how we're doing in our walk with you. Show us... Uh, any adjustments that need to take place. And I pray for your encouragement this morning. Pray for your arms of love to come around us and just to love on us. And uh, Father, I pray that you would speak so clearly this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So if you have your Bibles, just turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. And I'm just going to do a short little section and continue on. But it's a biblical view of leadership. And I thought, well, I'll cover this because... One of the things that we do a lot when we travel is we talk a lot about church leadership and the New Testament model of how, of how they did church back then. Because what, what, what we're finding is that even in our own context, we've just had Steve and Terry Barr come through and uh, we've, they've been sharing some very simple stuff, but we realize that we're drifting off, off of the path. And we are no longer making the main thing the main thing. We're starting to get all excited about things that are kind of like sideshows. And a lot of what happens when we travel is just reminding people about the main thing. The last thing Jesus left us with was the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. And we honestly believe that the New Testament shows us that the way that that is achieved is through the planting of local churches in every town, every city, every village. Dead quiet. <laughs> Hopefully that means you're thinking about it and means you don't disagree with it. Because discipleship involves a process of taking an unbeliever, evangelizing them with the gospel, seeing them saved, pastoring them, seeing them healed, teaching them, to see them understand God's ways and God's patterns, filling them with the Holy Spirit, which is the prophets, uh, a lot of the prophetic ministry, fill, filling with power, receiving gifts for ministry. And then the apostle comes along and reminds, now you go and you do the same thing again. And the whole process starts again. And all that takes place inside of a local church. And... Uh, so a lot of what we do is just going along, encouraging the guys uh, just to keep going, keep focusing on, on, on what God's called them to do. And uh, that's, that's predominantly what the ministry is that takes place. That's why we spent a lot of time individually with the eldership team. And, uh, and also we spent quite a bit of time training their leadership team and their up-and-coming leaders. All righty. Every now and then I read something in the Bible that absolutely shocks me. And uh, it's because we live in a world that's upside down. The reason it's shocking 
is because we think our world is the right way up and when we read something in the Bible, we go, hang on a minute, that's like this. Meanwhile, I'm upside down and the Bible is the right way up. And so often we look at what goes on in the world and we read something in the Bible and it's totally different and we we battle to embrace it because we think that's wrong. And we think that the way things are in the world is right and shouldn't be changed. We're all modern. We're all moved on past the dark ages. We're no longer cavemen. And uh, we're very modernized and civilized today, so we know better. But the truth of the Bible is eternal. This, The truth in here was around before there was a planet called Earth. So no matter what happens in history... The Bible will never ever be irrelevant. And often what I find is that the way I think about things needs to change. <laughs> and so today we're going to have a look at a biblical view of leadership. See, leadership in the world means you're above. Leadership in the kingdom means you're below. Now, even when I say that, it's like the cogs are turning and it just goes, how can that be? It just doesn't sound right. Take, for example, this scripture, Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Luke 12 and verse 37. It says, let me turn there, because a little bit of it is cut off. Luke chapter 12 and verse 37. Jesus says, Um, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return, so it's talking about the people of God who are servants. All of us are servants. We are waiting for the return of Jesus. Okay, The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, he'll put on an apron, and he'll serve them as they sit and eat. Now that just blows my mind. We are servants. The king is coming back. He's going to put on an apron and serve us. And we're the servants. We're not the, we're not the heads of the household. We are serving God and he comes and he serves us. It's totally foreign to the way we view leadership today. Leadership in the kingdom of God is nothing more than serving. That's it. It's so contrary to what we see in the world, we can scarcely believe it and scarcely understand it. The greatest in the kingdom, the greatest leader in the kingdom is the greatest servant. That's Jesus. He's the greatest because he's the greatest servant. He didn't come to be served, he said, but to serve. That's leadership in the kingdom. No one knows the greatest of serving more than Jesus. So if you've still got your place in 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We've broken through. We're now in chapter 4, right? Verse 1 to 6. Have a look at this. 
So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I've used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I've quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. So straight away, Paul is saying we are to view leadership in the kingdom of God as servanthood. Is that right? Servanthood? Point number one, leading in God's kingdom is serving. See, the, see leading, leading in the world isn't that. And the reason is, is because every, every person in the world is a problem with pride. They may not think they do. Might be a little bit, might be a lot. In fact, all of us still deal with that problem. Okay, I'm not pointing fingers here, but I'm saying the reason leadership in the world is not serving is because of pride. You see, when, when there's pride in our lives, we struggle to put other people first. And God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the, the hard thing is, is when there's pride, we can't fully love someone else. And you cannot serve someone unless you're prepared to put them first before yourself. Whereas leading in the world is putting myself before someone else. It's not putting the other person first. Leading in the kingdom does that. Because leading in the kingdom is from beneath. It's serving. So when you're serving someone that you are lifting up, there's no pride involved. It's humility. And that's the thing in the kingdom is that serving or leading in God's kingdom makes no room for pride but opens its doors to humility. Has to. Otherwise, you cannot serve someone else. You cannot go down and wash someone's feet unless you're prepared to put on that apron, get on your knees and wash their feet. And this is why it was so offensive to the disciples. Because they didn't see things. They saw leadership from a worldly perspective. How can you, Jesus, the Messiah, wash my feet? That's the job. In fact, in, in Jewish culture, it, they had like first servant, second servant in the home. First servant was like the doorman. He had a bit of a better position. Second servant washed feet. So Jesus is not just saying, I'm a servant I'm going to wash your feet. He's saying, I've even got a lower position than that. I'm the second servant. I'm not even the top servant in the worldly structure of things. And, that, and this is why Peter's like, no ways. You're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says, well, then you're not going to have any part. Okay, wash all of me. <laughs> you know, 
That's, but it was such an offensive thing. It was such a, a mold-breaking, uh, culture-shattering thing that Jesus did. He came to serve. And he, his kingdom is coming in, advancing, to serve. It's very different. Let me add this as well. In God's kingdom, serving is serving God first and serving people second. Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and everything you have. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's love God and love people. That's the command. It's not love people and love God. The order is God first and then people. Otherwise, what will happen is we will be we will be a people that are led by the people. And I wanted to say this. Sometimes when 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 we have to do something, God reveals something maybe to the leadership that we don't want to do. That we know you don't want to do. <laughs> but what are we going to do? We've got to serve God first and then serve the people. And so there are some times where we have to make a decision in the kingdom of God where we have to go, God has said this, that's what we're doing first, even though I myself may not agree. <laughs> Leaders who love people more than God will be manipulated. Leaders who don't love people will begin to dominate. Leaders who don't love God but love people will allow themselves to be idolized. That's what will happen. They'll become idols. They'll receive all the praise because they love the people's praise. And they're not interested in passing anything on to God. God's way is leaders who firstly love God and then love people. And that applies to all forms of leadership, not just in the church, but in families, parents, leading your children. It, it also relates to children of how you view your parents, how, you, how we as Christians view authority, how we view leadership, how we allow people to lead in our lives. It affects all of that. So this isn't just a message saying, well, if you're not a leader here in the church, well, then just switch off and don't listen. It, it affects every part of our lives. It affects the way we parent. It affects the way husbands, you lead your homes. Are you putting God first or someone else first? <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Not biblical. It isn't. Show me. Call a verse out. Anyone? Anyone? I'm being serious. It's not biblical. Serve God first and then minister to your wife. Otherwise, you're heading down a path that will have no light on it. Because God's word will shine where you're supposed to go. 
And if you're not seeing the light of God, you're on the wrong path. (laughs) So it applies to every area. You see, in the world, there's a lot of fighting for position going on. Because in the world, authority is seized. In the kingdom, authority is given. There's no fight. If God gives you authority, you've got it. You don't have to even earn it. You've just got it. In fact, the minute two people get married, immediately the man receives authority to lead. Immediately. It doesn't even matter if he's done a thing right or wrong. He's just immediately got it. The minute a a married couple has a baby, immediately they have authority from God. They didn't earn it at all. They've just got it. And and if if that kid won't recognize that authority, it doesn't mean they don't have it. They've got it. They've just got to pray and help that child understand that it's God-given. That's why there's a commandment saying, honor your mother and father. Because if you don't honor your mother and father, you're actually saying to God, the parents you gave me was wrong. You made a mistake. That's effectively what we're saying if we don't honor our parents. We're telling God he made a mistake. We're rebelling against God's authority that he's given us. (laughs) Even in the country that we live in, we have leaders put there by God. Yes, we may have voted for them, but the Bible says all authority is given by God. All of it, good and bad. It's all given by God. And the minute we rebel against any form of authority, we are rebelling against God himself. It's serious. (laughs) But in the kingdom, leadership is about serving. Kingdom authority is never achieved by grabbing for it. It's received by God giving. Jesus never grabbed for the throne. It says, even though he was God, He never considered equality with God as something to be grasped for. I think it's Philippians 2.5. He didn't try and grasp for the throne. But who did? Satan. He looked at that and thought, I'll have some of that. I want that. I think I could do a better job than God. I'm going to knock him off. And what an opportunity. Hey, he has his son. I'm going to take him out. He's left all his divinity back in heaven. He's a weak human. I'm going to nail him. Thought he could take the place. The heir to the throne. I'll have that throne. That's Satan. And so if there's any grabbing going on, any fighting for position, any rebellion against authority, it's not God's plan and it's not his work. Authority is just given and received. And then there's a responsibility to to use it in a godly way. Because one day, Paul says here, Jesus is returning. (laughs) And he says, we are like people who have been put in charge. Verse 2, and a manager must be faithful. Why? Verse 4, it is the Lord himself who will examine and decide. When authority is given... There's a faithfulness and a, and, a, and a responsibility that we've got to take and we've got to uh, 
work it out in a godly way. Why? Because Jesus is going to come back and examine what happened. Forget about what other people think. Forget about what you yourself think. (laughs) We are not going to judge ourselves and other people aren't going to judge us. Jesus himself is going to come back and examine what went on. How did you do as a parent? How did you do as a leader? How did you do as a deacon? How did you do in whatever area that God has given you? Authority in. He's going to examine the lot. (laughs) That's the first point. Leading in God's kingdom is serving. The second point is this. Success in serving is measured by faithfulness. In other words, has the servant done what the master asked them to do? Forget about anything else. Forget about, oh, I did so much. Look at the fruitfulness of what I've done. Forget about that. Did God actually ask you to do that? No, he didn't. (laughs) It's all a waste. He asked you to do this. Imagine, just just think of it in terms of a servant in a household. Imagine it's God's household and God said to you, I want you to work in the kitchen and make sure the kitchen is spotless. But you decide, hang on a minute, I'd prefer to, to work in the living room because the cricket's on. Okay? So you're there sweeping along and just that living room is spotless. And you think, man, I've done a good job here. The master comes back and he goes, hey, hang on, what about the kitchen? Yeah, but look at the living room. I didn't ask you to do the living room. I asked you to do the kitchen. That's effectively what Jesus is going to do. <laughs> Good thing there's a TV in the kitchen. <laughs> One day Jesus is going to return and examine us to see what he's asked us to do. And so Paul says, he says, as for me, verse 3, It matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. That's not really that important. Obviously, he says it matters very little. It is a little bit important because if everybody is saying, man, you're doing a terrible job, you've got to go, hang on, maybe I'm doing something wrong here. Everyone around me thinks I'm doing a terrible job. (laughs) But maybe you're doing what God wants you to do. And you've just got to keep on doing that because one day Jesus is coming back and he is the final examiner. So Paul says, I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove me right. And this is an incredible challenge to me because I can think, hey, I'm in the right. I, you know, I've evaluated my life and I think actually I'm okay. But, but how do I really know? My conscience might be right, but maybe I don't know the full picture because I've only got a limited understanding of what God wanted me to do in the first place. So he says in verse 6, if you pay attention to what I've quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of your leaders, uh, of, of, of your leaders at the expense of another. If you pay attention to the scriptures, and I believe that that is the uh, 
is the thing that's going to keep us on the path. God's word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. It's when we look at the word of God and it shines a light and we go, whoa, what path am I on here? How do I get here? And we go, that's where I'm supposed to be. Let me walk back over here and get back into the plan of God. That's, that's the purpose of the word of God. Because I can't even trust my own conscience. I might feel good about this path that I'm on. I might be weighing everything up in my heart and going, actually, I think I'm right. But what does God's word say? Am I lining up? Am I, am I walking according to the patterns and the ways of God? Or am I way off track here? Because we're very good at making up our own ideas and our own rules and our, our own uh, way in life. We're good at digging our own path and going, yeah, this is pretty smooth, pretty great. But then when we allow the word of God to shine in our life, then we suddenly go, whoa, actually, it doesn't fit with what's going on. See, this is why the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's about them sitting under the word of God and just allowing the word to shine in their lives. When Paul went and he preached in Berea, the Bereans didn't just suck in everything that he said and said, well, that's what God said. Praise God, let's do it. They went and searched the scriptures to see, is what this guy preaching, is it biblical? And I want to say, even with what you're hearing here, you should be taking the word of God and saying, is what Russ says biblical? Is there biblical backing or is it all pie in the sky? No one should be just listening to a preacher and saying, well, let's, he, he's, you know, he's honest, he's, you know, he's serving God, whatever he says is truth. We should be checking it out with scripture to go, is it actually biblical? I'd love to stand up here and say, hey, just believe everything I say and just follow me and whatever. But I can't do that. I have to say to you, you need to check the scriptures for yourself. And if you, if you feel that I'm preaching something that's not biblical, come and speak to me. And I'll say, where is it in scripture? Not you think. <laughs> Show me in scripture. And if it is in there and I'm wrong, I'm more than happy to get up here and say, look, We've been preaching heresy. Don't stone us. But we're going to change. Amen. So success in serving God is, not, is measured by faithfulness. He's going to come and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, good and successful servant. Oh, my word. You know, look at all the things you've done. You've done so much for so many people. Such a successful life. He's going to come and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And the person who received the biggest well done and the biggest commendation was Jesus. And look at how he ended his ministry. Everyone deserted him. He hung on that cross alone. Even Peter denied him three times. One of his closest disciples actually denied knowing him. Now, the world would see that as an absolute failure. But Jesus did what the Father asked him to do. And so the Father said, well done. You did it. It's not about runs on the board or what it looks like on the external. It's about have we done the things that God has asked us to do. That's the role of a servant. 
<clears throat> and then finally, the third point that I just want to mention is that there is a biblical model of leadership, and, and particularly in churches. One of the things, I'll just give you a little insight as to what we do in churches, is that we teach on, on, on what happened in the book of Acts and what happens in the New Testament. And we, sometimes what I do is I make a little plane, paper plane, which I'm fairly good at, I must say. Eh? Look at that. We'll give it a throw later and see what happens. The one model of, of, of leadership in the church is this, where the pastor is at the top. Whatever the pastor says happens. Everyone else, there's a structure here, a hierarchical structure, where the pastor makes all the decisions and it filters down and it's basically a dictatorship. Okay? Then in reaction to that, some churches have done that. Now the pastor's at the bottom and his pager never stops beeping. Every person that needs something done, beep, 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 beep. Oh, okay. I need to go and visit this person. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, I need to do this. Beep, beep, beep. I need to pick this up from the shop. Beep, beep, beep. We've run out of coffee cups. Go and buy that. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, something or other's happened at the school. Go and see what's happening. And the pastor is basically the, the servant of all, but not in a good way. It's the people ruling over the pastor. And if he doesn't do a good job, the board votes him out. And he's gone, and a new person is voted in, and good luck to them. <laughs> okay? So if it's not that, and it's not that, then what is it? It's that. Or even better, it's that. Everybody is an equal before God. The same amount of blood was shed for every single person in this room. It wasn't three drops for Joel, one drop for Joe, hundred drops for Jen. It's the same amount for everybody. <laughs> I should have shared that the other way around. Jen didn't need more. <laughs> Jen was like, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> But, but the biblical, what we see in the book of Acts is leaders following Jesus saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. And we're all following Jesus where we're going, but we have different functions. And so you'll see things like Paul calling himself Paul an apostle. You'll never read in the Bible, Apostle Paul. Teacher, Peter. Pastor, Thomas. It's not in there. Pastor, Russell. You won't see that in Scripture. It's Russell who is a pastor. If you're an engineer, I don't call you Engineer Miguel. I just call you Miguel. Okay? Because leadership or servanthood in the Bible is about receiving a task from the master, not a title. Yeah. 
We just got a task. The kitchen is your responsibility. The living room is your responsibility. The TV guide is Joel's responsibility. <laughs> Make sure it's on the cricket. <laughs> okay? That's all it is. It's just receiving a task. And so while I've got a task of doing something for God, I function in that capacity. God anoints. He gives gifts and whatever so that I can do the role that I'm called to do. But there will come a day where I will no longer be required by God to do this role. And that means my it won't be Russ, a pastor. It'll be Russ, a something or other. Okay, whatever. Formula One driver. Who knows what God's got for me? <laughs> Amen, Lord. <laughs> Just putting it out there. But yeah, <laughs> oldest Formula One driver in history to win the world championship. Eh? But what, what I'm saying is, is that if it's a title, then even when I'm not functioning in this, people still call me Pastor Russ. Even though I'm no longer eldering. I'm no longer leading a church. I'm no longer functioning in any kind of capacity. We don't believe that's in the Bible. We just believe it's a function for a season. It's serving God in a particular way for a specific season. And everyone is equal before God. We're all parts of the body, but we have different functions. We can't go and go, well, you know, I, God's called me to be a lung, but I'd really like to be a kidney. So I try and function as a kidney. If you do that, the body's going to die. We need, we need oxygen. But we also need the kidney to be doing whatever it is that kidneys do. Okay? Every person needs to be doing what God has called them to do and not in competition. Just going, hey, we just recognize there's different functions within the body. No one is more important than the other. Because which would you rather? Would you rather take your heart out and put it on the table or your lungs out and put them on the table? Which one would you rather not have? Which is more important to you, heart or lungs? Okay. No one is more important than the next. We're all equally important. In fact, you might say, well, even my big toe, I can lose that. If you lose your big toe, you struggle to walk. You have to go to rehab to learn how to walk again, just for something simple like that. Every part is important. And in fact, the Bible says the parts that are actually behind the scenes are going to get greater honor when Jesus returns than the ones that are all up front. But everybody wants to be up front. Everybody wants to be the eye. Or whatever it is. Imagine a whole body just full of eyes. Nothing else. It would be the weirdest thing on the planet. <laughs> or a whole body of noses. No, we need one nose only. Even more than one nose is a problem. <laughs> and yet we have this kind of... We have this grabbing mentality in the church because we've allowed pride to get into our hearts and suddenly we're grabbing for positions instead of saying, God, you called me to be the second left toenail on the body. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to be the best toenail there's ever been. And I'm going to be faithful because it's all about being faithful. It's not about reproducing. We don't need a hundred toenails. We just need that one toenail to function properly. And that's it. And then God will come back and reward based on that. And so a lot of what we do when, we, when we're going around is just teaching 
things out of the Bible and just saying, keep the main thing, the message, the main thing. Don't stop preaching the gospel. Don't try and put a bow on it and make it relevant. The gospel was there before the world was around. It's always relevant. <laughs> it doesn't need a bow. It just needs to be shared as it is in the Bible. And it has the power of God to do what it does. And then there's, a, there's, there's, there's leadership structures. There's elders. There's deacons in churches. There's... There's advice for marriages. There's advice for parenting. There's advice for finances. There's all sorts of different areas in our lives that if we allow God's word to shine on us, we can walk on the path that he has for us and walk in his blessing and his favor. Our main concern as believers, as servants of God, is to fulfill the task that Jesus has given us. So let's honor leadership. Honor your mother and father. Honor the government. Honor any leadership. If you're in a home group, you have a home group leader, honor them. Honor this eldership team. Submit to leadership. That's what the Bible says. Because you only have authority if you're under authority. You have no authority if you're trying to grab for it. But if you... If you're willing to submit to authority, you can have authority. The reason a police, uh, uh, someone in the police force can stand on the road, put their hand out and stop any car out there is because they wear a uniform with a badge and they are under a system which has authority, which is actually ultimately given by the government. And so that's why. But if that policeman is out there in just civilian clothes and they stand out there put their hand up boom flat like a pancake on the road it's the uniform and the badge that makes the difference why? because it shows people they are under authority therefore they have immense authority they do and that's, that's how it is in the kingdom if we, if we are willing to work under the authority God has given us we will have authority but if we're fighting for it we'll have nothing and we need authority because we are, we are in war with a spiritual enemy and we need authority to deal with what's going on and walk in the victory Christ has won for us and then lastly let's celebrate leadership let's speak well of leadership because it's God-given. Even the leadership in our country. They speak well of them. Yeah, they're human. Any one of us never made a mistake in our lives. Put your hand up. The government make mistakes. But let's not bag them out for it. They're human. They make mistakes. Just like any one of us. Accepting the responsibility on their shoulders is massive. Something like we can never understand. And yet they're making decisions that's affecting millions of people. So let's celebrate them. Let's pray for them. And let's go, okay, maybe they made a mistake. Let's just keep praying for them. Say, thank you, God, we have leadership. Because there's countries out there that have no leadership. And it's absolute chaos. <laughs> and maybe we can just end it with that. Let's stand. And I think let's just pray a prayer.